turn in the Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 16. I already asked you to do that. Look tonight at a passage that's very familiar. You may not have read it, but you've heard it before, I'm sure. This is when David is anointed as king. This is the passage where uh, Samuel has come to choose who's going to be the next king, who's going to be after, after Saul and the dilemma that they have there. I really want to focus on this great quote in, in verse 7, that the Lord looks on the heart. And I want us tonight to, to kind of look at what all that means. But I think to get the full feeling of that, we want to read the whole thing. So read with me, 1 Samuel chapter 16. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? Since I've rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I've provided for myself a king among his sons. Very clear and obvious here in verse 1. God has his king in Jesse's sons. Does everybody see that? Right? We need to be a people who are able to trust God, that God has a plan, God knows what he's doing, and even when it does not look like it, we will trust him. That's going to be very strong here when you get in this passage. Verse 2, and Samuel said, "How, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. What's he mean there? He means this guy looks like a king from my perspective. As far as I can tell, man, I found found the guy. Now, what led him to be so sure about that is he knew that God was going to supply it. See, this will help us understand a lot when we're talking about prayer, right? How many times have you been in need of something, and as soon as you see a little coincidence or whatever, and it looks like a door opens, you're like, sure, I know this is the right thing, or else God wouldn't have caused it to happen. But you need to be wiser than that. You need to seek it out. Samuel knew God had a king. He knew that God had a king of Jesse. And he goes there, and sure enough, here's a guy that looks like a king. And it was enough for Samuel to say, this is my guy. I know it. Looks like a king. God said he's going to give me a king. Put two and two together. This must be the king. But there's a factor that is almost impossible for us to gauge, almost impossible. It's especially difficult to gauge early on without a deep relationship. There's a factor there that Samuel's not even good at thinking through, and that is, what is his heart like? What is his heart like? In church, we need to be, we need to be able to be honest with ourselves on a lot of levels, that it takes work 
It takes relationship. It takes honesty. It takes tension to really understand somebody's heart. And even inside a church where you sit and talk to people on a regular basis and you've talked in the parking lot countless times, at the end of the day, do you really understand somebody's heart deep, deep, deep down? Do you know what they're like at home on Friday nights? Do you know how they speak to their wives? Do you know how they treat their children? We're talking about the heart. And Samuel, who is God's man, this is who God's talking to, telling him to go and pick out the next king. Samuel here is convinced this is the guy. I think about how many churches are looking for pastors. And I think about how many churches form a pastoral search committee, right? And they, and they put it on this group of people, which is typically like seven people, to pick out for somebody who's the next pastor. And I think about how huge it is to call a pastor. And in best case scenario, they've interviewed him in a room for 30 minutes a couple times. They've heard him preach once or twice. And they've called a couple people who think highly of him. To come and be the shepherd of the sheep. Lead and lead and lead. How do you understand a heart? We're talking about a king of the people of Israel here. And Samuel thinks he's pegged him. Let's look back at this verse. Verse 6. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely, not man, I hope so. He thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance. Or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. Y'all, you need to understand that God will reject you if you are really, really good at something. You need to understand that God will reject you if you can walk the walk and talk the talk. You need to understand that God will reject you if you are very, very skilled. God speaks up to Samuel and says, No. Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I've rejected him. And then he says this great statement that you need to know. This should be underlined in your Bible. This should be highlighted in your Bible. If you don't like to do that to your Bible, then this needs to be hidden in your heart that you might not sin against God. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. We tend, and it's not necessarily bad, he says this is what we do. We tend to look at somebody who fits the part really well and think that means it's a fit. But God wants us to know, which should be obvious to us, but it's often not, 
that God is a spirit. And so when we're talking about the things of God, godly things, we're talking about what's happening in the spiritual realm. Which means we're not even able to discern it without the Lord's help. Samuel is God's man. Samuel is a godly man. Samuel is a good guy. Samuel walks by faith. Samuel is looking to do what God told him to do. Samuel is being obedient. Samuel here is not a problem. Samuel needs the Lord's showing him what is, who is right in the heart. It's not enough for Samuel to go on his own and choose out what is right. We need to get to the heart of the matter, if you will, and you only get to the heart of a matter with the person, with the Lord's leading you. As I was preparing for this, I started thinking, the passage doesn't necessarily take us there, but I started thinking, what if when we were feeling, when we were feeling positions in our schools and in our churches, certainly when we're looking for pastors and leaders, we heard God say, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. Don't look at how well he sings as we're looking for a new music person, right? Let's not look to see how well he can play the guitar or if he leads a choir or those things primarily. Obviously, he'll have to be skilled in those things. But I'm reminded of this when I think about that. Carolina came yesterday and said, Daddy, I've got to get ready for my wedding. I'm getting married tomorrow. I've got to go get my cowgirl hat on. And I'm not too much of a farm guy, so I don't know where she got that from. So she goes back to her room and she gets her cowgirl hat on. She comes and she's wearing it and she said, I got my cowgirl hat on, I'm getting married tomorrow, and when I get married tomorrow, I'm going to ride off on a horse. Y'all, one day she's going to get married, isn't she? We pray, we hope, maybe not, but you know what I mean. Lord willing. I want her to marry a big old strong guy, good looking, treat her right, muscles to protect her, right? Good at sports so that I can try to play him. You want all that stuff in a, in, a, in a husband? I want my wife, I mean, my daughter, to think. I'm not looking on the appearance, on the height of his stature. I'm not looking for a guy that goes to church. I'm looking for a man that God sees his heart. He knows it. Samuel's here to pick out the king. And when Eliab, Jesse's son, walks in, he says, surely this is my guy. Israel's, hey, the future of Israel looks bright. This guy's a hoss, man. This guy looks the part. The Bible tells us that Saul, listen, I want you to see how vulnerable we are. The Bible tells us that Saul was what? Tall. It said he was a head above everybody else. Handsome. Awesome. Everybody loved Saul. And what happened? He sinned. He became prideful. He fell as the king of Israel. It did not go well. 
And here Samuel now is already back in to wanting somebody that looks the part. It's just natural for us to drift more toward that than toward desiring most the heart. So God answers him and says, I've rejected him. The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. This is worded as if God is saying, I'm not concerned about the outward. This is how it's worded. Now, again, if you're choosing a music person, they need to at least be able to do something with music, right? If you're choosing somebody to run your finances, they need to know how to handle money. I'm not saying you go in the opposite direction. But God seems to be saying, I'm not worried at all about the skill set to the extent that I'm worried about the heart. If the heart is right, it will take care of everything else. This is huge with God. And I want us... I want us to be able to understand this. Because a growing church always has needs. And we're constantly having to look and fill spots and fill spots. We need Sunday school teachers and we need new staff person. We just had a, a meeting with the deacons 30 minutes ago in which we said, hey, we need another full-time staff person. We're ready for that. We're looking for that. We're trying to fill that out. And so we'll start looking. But what we need in that person is not somebody who's great with the computer or, or, or great with organization or not somebody who can preach like crazy. We need somebody where nobody else can identify it except God that's our guy. That's what we want. That's our guy. And we can't even recognize that. We want God to lead us to what he recognizes. Samuel cannot recognize. If Samuel, who is the most godly person in this story, if Samuel is to pick out of the seven sons of Jesse which one is to be king, he would have gotten it wrong. And he's wise, and he's thoughtful, and he's able to examine people. He would have gotten it wrong. Y'all, you need to understand that what we need in life is what God wants for us. Now, I would like to be able to pick out Carolina's husband. I wish I could. But, I've got to trust that God can do that. And I've got to pray that God will make him a man after God's own heart. Let's keep reading. Verse 8. Then Jesse called Abinadab, so now he goes to the second one, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. So now, God gave Samuel one, one opportunity with one of the sons to say whether he thought it was a good fit or not. Samuel didn't know how to focus on the heart. So now he's just showing them to him and saying no. Verse 9, then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Verse 10, and Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? Why, why would he ask that? Why would he say, are all your sons here? Some, I'm confused, something's not right. You just showed me seven of your sons. God's saying no to all of them. What's going on here? Because God had already promised that Jesse has a son that's going to be the king. So Samuel's going, well, it's none of these, and God's got a promise. Something's not right here. 
He didn't try to take matters into his own hands, right? I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say in a dating relationship, well, he's not a Christian, he, he doesn't go to church, but man, he treats her right. It makes my stomach turn. For how long does he treat her right? What's his foundation? What about when things get rough? What about when life gets ugly? Because it gets ugly real quick. What's his heart like? How have we been able to judge his heart? The, the, the hard question for me and you to answer in, in this 1 Samuel 16 is, well, how do we decide? How do we get actually to the heart of somebody? And that's where I say, well, it takes some time. And even with some time, it's hard to tell. So we need God to lead us in steps of righteousness or paths of righteousness for his own sake. We need to be able to trust that God is leading us where we need to go when we don't even know. So he asked, are these all your sons? There's got to be, there's got to be another. I'm, I'm confused. So Samuel's there going, I, I'm not really sure. And he said, well, there, there remains yet the youngest. But behold, he's keeping the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. Now notice, again, Samuel came there to accomplish the purpose that God has given a king to Israel out of Jesse's sons. And from Jesse's perspective, it is definitely not. From Jesse's perspective, it is definitely, definitely, definitely not the youngest. He knows for sure. He didn't even bring him in. He wasn't even considering him. No way. From Samuel's perspective, it should have just been one of the seven. Really the oldest, if you will, who looked the part. These guys aren't good judges of it. We need to humble ourselves at times and stop trying to control life so much. We need to be people who are able to walk by faith. We need to be able to say, I trust God, and then we need to be able to live out, I'm trusting God. Not who I would have chosen. Can you imagine how many people, we haven't even gotten to David yet, but can you imagine how many people would have been like, Israel's going downhill, man, it's a sinking ship. Out of all the people, man, my oldest son's a big, strong guy, man. He's a king. He knows how to lead people, man. He's got the farm in shape, man. He takes care of those animals. You ought to see him handle some sheep. That's how they talk. And when they chose the youngest, smallest guy, they thought, what are we doing, man? Haven't you heard people grumble about choosing a leader? Absolutely. Did you ever think, yeah, but his heart? Oh, man, he's got a good heart. You ever heard somebody say, that guy can't preach worth a lick? And people get mad because, you ever heard somebody say they're leaving their church because they're not being fed? Well, what if his heart is right where God wants his preaching, just not that good? Or what if we just want a preacher that preaches this amazing messages, his heart's not in it? Hey, there's a lot of preachers out there that don't live it through the week. Hard to know what's going on with the heart, so says, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Or just like that. No, no, no big interview, no, no complication. The Lord absolutely affirmed it, right? Doesn't the Bible tell us that God will lead us? Doesn't it say those things? 
The Bible will lead you, that God will show you, that God will, will make you know, God will protect you. Doesn't the Bible say that God has our days numbered? God will be your strength, God will be your safety, God will take care of you. What's the verse that all of us have memorized that we love? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Go ahead and admit, verse 5, I do not know what's going on with my life. But verse 6 says, but God does and I'm holding on tight. I don't know what I'll be doing tomorrow, but God knows and I'm holding on tight. And buddy, he's going to take me there. This is what the Bible teaches. And this is what we see having Samuel's learning it the hard way. Now, he's not complaining about it, and he's not sinning in the process. But Samuel is seeing this firsthand. He tries to pick Eliab. God says, no way. He looks at the others. God says, no. Well, is there any more? Well, i got the young guys out there with the sheep. He walks in. He's got the eyes. He's ruddy. He's very handsome. God says, there he is. And all of a sudden, Samuel's going, this guy's heart must be on the money. This guy's heart must be gold. This guy must have, in God's words, a man after God's own heart. That's what God had said about David in chapter 13. This is chapter 16. In chapter 13, God said he will be a man after God's own heart, the next king. So, even though Samuel thinks he's the youngest of, of, of seven, there's no way this is him. When he sees God affirm him, Samuel knows this guy's heart is a heart of a leader, is a heart of a child of God, is a heart that will lead the people of Israel. This is the guy. Verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Now, what kind of leader do we want? One that looks the part or one that doesn't look the part, but the Spirit of God has rushed upon him, and he's being led by him. A Spirit-led, Spirit-filled, Spirit-empowered leader. Verse 14, now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servant said to him, behold, now a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. When the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. Talking about David. Now all of a sudden, listen to this description. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me David your son, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by David his son to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service. And Saul loved him greatly. And he became his armor bearer. 
And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. The Spirit of God was on David. He was small. He didn't look like he should have been the one. But this is who God had chosen. God was describing his heart. God was looking at nothing but his heart. Now, Saul is the king who's on his way out. He has, has David there assisting him, and he likes David. And we're not, we don't have time to read it, but if you pick up right there at chapter 17, what's the very next story? David and Goliath. God is about to show us a story among any other story in the world that models what? Heart. You go watch a basketball game or a football game, and you watch the little guy beat the big guy. You watch the underdog win, and they'll tell you, hey, it's all about heart. Whoever's got the most heart. And they will reference David versus Goliath. You'll watch a football game, and the, the small school beats the big school, or the little team beats the powerhouse. And they'll say, man, it's like a David and Goliath story. What are they talking about? They're talking about heart. The world understands heart because God has taught us that God looks at the heart. Turn with me to Psalm 147. Psalm 147, we're going to end here. So if, 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 if man looks at the outward appearance, which you know that we do, right? I can't tell you how many guys or girls that I've had to counsel who've picked out a boyfriend or a girlfriend because they're good looking and then hoped that they could make them Christian, right? How many times has a, has a girl found a sweet guy or a guy found a sweet girl and they liked everything about them except for their godliness and then they thought they hoped that that would come along soon enough? Because we just so are geared to look at the outward appearance. How many times have people bought a lemon for a car because on the outside it looked good but nobody looks on the inside? Or we don't know how to look on the inside, right? And it happens. People want to... Look the part more than they want to be the part. And yet God is teaching us that man does that. That's just the way we are. But God doesn't. God looks on the inside. Which means for us, we need to admit that it's hard. Listen to me. It's hard to judge whether somebody's the real deal. How can you judge if somebody really loves God? Well, you can't quickly. You have to be very prayerful. You have to be in tune with God. God has to be showing that to you. And then it takes a while. It takes a relationship. It takes going through some seasons. It takes seeing how they respond in trials. It takes seeing how they handle adversity. It takes seeing how they are when they sin. It takes seeing them in highs and seeing them in lows. It takes seeing them when they're offended. Man, some of y'all that I love so much are the ones that I've really hurt your feelings. And you didn't quit on me. You accepted my apology. And we grew together, and I feel like you love me. You love, I, I think you love me because I was mean to you. And you still love me. Right? It takes a while to understand a heart. It takes a while. But we need to know that this is how God thinks. God's not concerned about our outer. That's why I preach those messages like I did this morning. That good work stuff ought not be comforting you. You ought to be concerned about your heart. You, other people might be impressed when you, when you talk about all that you've done, but God's not. 
Remember Wednesday night? I followed up from last Sunday where Jesus called Matthew, Levi, from Mark chapter 2. And on Wednesday night, I showed you in Matthew 9 and Luke 5, the parallel passages. And in that one, Jesus says, go and learn what it means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus just straight up tells them, straight up tells them, I'm not looking for all you're doing for me. I'm looking for you to know how much you need me. Remember I told that about the thief on the cross? Remember we telling you that Wednesday night? If heaven's full of people bragging on their good works, he's not going to have anything to say. But if heaven's based off mercy, guess who's going to have the most to brag about? That thief on the cross who didn't do anything. Because it's based off the heart. God tells us this. So we need to be people who aren't impressed. We're not easily impressed with somebody who says they do good. If a girl meets a guy and says he goes to church, so what? Right? We're looking for people who have a good heart. Good heart. You realize that every, every religion in the world prides itself on good works. You know that, right? Every religion. So goes to church, does good works, okay, just like all the other good Muslims and Buddhists I know. Me and Val went last night, took the kids down here at Iroquois Park, Amphitheater, International Festival. We saw the Buddhist monks there. Buddhist monks wearing the thing. Man, those are good people. Nice dudes. They'll do anything for you. We're looking at the heart. You remember what we read about the heart in Psalm 14? That's why we opened with it. Remember that? The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They're wise enough. They're probably not saying it out loud. They're probably not running around telling all their friends and family that there's no God. You live in the USA and you start saying there's no God, that's not meant too kindly. But in his heart, he thinks there is no God. He lives like he won't be judged. He lives like nobody knows. He's a fool because of what's in his heart. Y'all, our, our, our world and our town, Fairdale, is full of people who outwardly some good old guys. But when the Lord looks on the heart, he sees a fool. A fool. Psalm 144, or sorry, 147, we'll stop here. Verse 7, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. The reason why the psalmist says it like that is God's not impressed with anything we can do. Y'all, God doesn't need us to do anything. He doesn't. Now he lets us and puts us in positions and he uses, he doesn't need us. That's why he says that. 
He makes the heavens. He makes the clouds in the heavens. He makes the rain for the earth. He makes the grass on the hills. He makes the grass grow on the hills to feed the beasts. God does all that. And he also makes it for the young ravens that are crying. Y'all, God has every bit of creation under control. He doesn't need us to do it. He doesn't need us to. We're not helping God maintain the world. He doesn't need us to. And he tells us that over and over again in the Bible. There's so many passages that teach us this. So that we would not be proud of the resume we're stacking up with all of our good works. He doesn't need it. All God wants us to do is simple resume. I need Jesus. That's all he wants us to say. God, I need you. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Verse 11 says, he doesn't take pleasure in the legs of a man. Don't tell me how much you've done or how busy you are or how much you're getting accomplished or how much of a mover and shaker you are or how many people are following you or how much you've grown the business or how much money you make or how many hours you, you log or whatever. God doesn't care. He doesn't need you to do that. But he does take pleasure in us. Praise the Lord. He does take pleasure in people. Those who fear him, those who hope in him. That song Kevin introduced us to tonight, He Will Hold Me Fast, is such a great song. It's one of the new ones. It's really good. He will hold me fast, he will hold me fast. What does it say? My Savior loves me. He loves me. Y'all just sit right there until you get it, until he's poured it out on you richly. God loves me. Man, he loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. And we need to stay right there. And then if you ever finally get up from it, then, then go out and serve the Lord with gladness. Because you need him. Now that is Christianity, and I'm going to preach that every single day. Preach that, I pray, every single Sunday. That's the message. Y'all, the good works will take care of themselves when we get that God doesn't need us, when we need Him. And when our hearts are desperate for God, we'll be doing good works. The Lord doesn't look as man looks. Man looks on the outward. The Lord looks on the heart. May you be most, most concerned, not with what you're doing, but rather the heart behind it. May you check your heart. May God be working in our church that we would be people who love him from a pure heart. May God rush his spirit upon us like he did David, a man after God's own heart. And may our church truly have a heart for God. Let's pray. Father, Help us to not be easily impressed with outward appearance. Help us, God, to be curious, hopeful, and desiring of people with a pure heart. God, help us to be able to discern in our church whose heart is right, who's living for your glory and who's not. Help us, God, to 
repent of our sins and so model our broken heart. Help us, God, to show grace to people and so model our grace-filled hearts. God, thank you for David, who was the least likely to be chosen, but was the right one. God, may we not be distracted by what we think is best. May we not try to be God ourselves and take control of a situation. Help us, God, to trust you and allow you to lead us as you see the heart. Oh, God, we pray that through Jesus you would clean our hearts, give us new hearts, purify our hearts, that we would love you. God, thank you for this great verse, 1 Samuel 16, 7. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.